0: Welcome to the fourth official soccer podcast. My name is Buri Oludemi, and I'm joined by my co-host, Suleimon Lassisi. Suleimon, how have you been after this past weekend?
1: I watched a lot of soccer this past weekend, a lot of close encounters and just sitting there and thinking, where have the glory days gone for these once upon a time giants in the Premier League? So I feel rejuvenated, you know, I love the underdog and I saw a lot of underdogs get impressive results this weekend so that's got me
0: feeling good that is awesome and later in the show we will have a guest uh he's a sports fan his name is impo uh and he will join us and just talk about his feelings about the recent changes in the you know in tottenham um and also we have a new exciting uh, segment in this show, um, basically, we're going to do a random fact, and it's going to be a random fact about football, you know, the game that we love, and we hope you enjoy it. It's going to be at the end of this episode, so make sure you listen to our random fact, and we'll try to get this done every week. All right, Suleiman, what is going on in the EPL? Yes, the Premier League,
1: not short of surprises this weekend. I am going to start off by starting where we left off last episode. City versus Chelsea. We had this prediction in this grand curated scheduling of how things were going to go. How did you feel with the way the game played
0: out? It was it was very interesting game. I thought City played very awful. And I'm surprised that Chelsea did not capitalize on that fact. Um, however, though, I... have as we mentioned, or as I mentioned, or I think you also mentioned last episode, the reason why Chelsea would lose the game is because of experience. And again, City did not play very well, and I think they were particularly awful. But but the experience I thought, oh, I felt, overcame the you know the young players. And uh, not that Chelsea couldn't have won the game; they could have won the game, and they should have, just based on the way City played. How did you feel about the game?
1: I also agree that experience actually played a big factor into City winning the game against Chelsea. The first 30 minutes was all Chelsea, and this game was played at the Etihad Stadium. And I sat there wondering, wow, have these teams figured City out? Because in the first 30 minutes, Chelsea could have had two goals in the goods. But once those first 30 minutes were over, City just gradually through a stroke of luck and a deflection off of Tom Marie. They got back into the game. And from then on, they managed to hold on to a victory. Not convincing, if you ask me, given the fact that Chelsea is a very young and struggling team at times. So I think Chelsea did very well, but all in all, experience was the big difference in this matchup. And with that, I'm actually going to move to two teams that I actually just want to talk about them in the same vein. Sheffield United played Manchester United, 3-3, an epic tie. Southampton played Arsenal, 2-2, another interesting tie. What I actually find interesting in this sequence of games, though, is that on both games, Sheffield and Southampton would have left the stadium feeling like they should have had all three points. Now, Manchester United and Arsenal have descended to a level where you play Sheffield and Southampton, and you're clinging to a draw. You're lucky to get a draw
0: against these teams. Bori, are these teams playing defense? What's going on? Well, I speaking about Arsenal, Arsenal has just completely lost it. And I hate to say it, but they need to let Unai Emery go. And, and basically, they need a change. I don't know what change. I don't know what manager will be the best to come back in, but he needs to go. I... I don't think he's lost his dressing room, but maybe he's lost motivation or... I mean, it's also part of unlucky, right? They're, they're also unlucky. And may I may I mention this, actually? Um, to be honest and to be fair, um, Tierney had a very hor- horrible game. Uh, I think one of the goals uh, he should have... Uh, I think... I can't remember what there was... I remember just watching the game and I was like, what's Tierney doing, basically? But I, I think their defense is still poor. And I thought Tierney, uh, you know, was going to be a very good addition to the team as a defender. But obviously, maybe it was just because, you know, he's just come back from injury and and he's still figuring things out. But their defense is absolutely awful. And also their attack is not the best. You know, you have people like Lacazette and... And Aubameyang, um, who should really be converting all their chances, and they had a very, you know, they have they had too many chances to convert, especially Aubameyang. And I was surprised that he was not able to convert. Now, when we talk about United, um, I'm actually surprised that they were able to score three against Sheffield United. Um, remember, Sheffield United has a very good defense, and you you talked about this in the spot kick I think uh, two episodes ago uh, that Sheffield has uh, one of the best defense. In, in the EPL. So I'm surprised that they were actually able to score three goals against Sheffield United. So that's how, that's just how I feel about those two games.
1: Good point on Sheffield defense. And actually, during the game yesterday, I saw a stats that said in the last eight games, they had conceded no more than a goal in the last eight games. And then Manchester United, luckily, I emphasize luckily, had seven minutes of glory, seven minutes of just quick-fire rapid goals and scoring three in seven minutes and that just un- undid all the beautiful work, all the beautiful, wonderful defense that Sheffield United had yesterday. So I never really can tell what's wrong with the defense yesterday, but something I felt was off the minute that Lisa Mussey went off the field injured. I think they were still up before it went off injured and it just became a different game after that. I don't know if that affected the defense or the shape of the team, but that was just one thing that stuck out to me. Now, moving on to the topic of Liverpool. I really want to touch on this real quick because I'm guilty as charged by myself. We had mentioned how Liverpool were the team who didn't reinforce in the important areas. Now they have Mohamed Salah injured and they also have Matip injured, but they are still winning.
0: Like, nothing has happened. boy well- what are your thoughts on this? Well, they didn't they won? But against a very a, a very bad side, Crystal Palace. Uh, let's let's be honest. Um, and I don't. It's one of those things where they always just find a way to win. And my question again, I guess I'll put it back to you: Is will they be able to do this every weekend, week in, week out? And that's the question that that is left to be answered. They've done it so far, um, week in, week out. But even with Salah injured and you know, obviously they should still be winning this game with Salah Injured because, again, Crystal Palace is not a force to be reckoned with or, or a team that they should be struggling with, uh, you know, at, at this stage. Um, speaking about, I just want to give my my two... Well, something I noticed on, uh, during this game, and I, I don't know if it pisses me off, but I think, personally, uh, Trent Arnold-Alexander should be playing as a left or uh, as a right midfielder uh, just because if you see the goal that they scored... Um, uh, uh, Liverpool. It was basically because of his fault. Like uh, Zaha had the ball running down the left, and first of all, Arnold looked like he was like out of breath and couldn't run, and he basically was was just ball watching. And I was just like, I, I literally specifically was just uh, looking at him because I wanted to see how he will do against Zaha, who I think is a very uh, phenomenal player. But they need to work this out, and I'm I'm sure a lot of teams are noticing that they could funnel through the the you know the left hand side against the right hand side of Liverpool because Arnold, yes, is good going forward, but I don't think he's that great of a defender when you know when it comes to actual defending. I agree with you and we've actually seen
1: Jugging Klopp take him out of very important games where it feels like defense is the primary key in games like that. So he definitely has to learn a few tricks when it comes to defense, but when it comes to the Premier League, I think at this point for Liverpool, it's just a matter of doing the math and them coming out positive after every game. Who can score more?
0: All the way from Kansas City, we have Mpo, who is a Spurs fan and is here to talk about uh, Spurs and the recent changes that just happened at Tottenham. Um, po, uh, welcome to our show.
2: Hey, thank you, man. Thanks again for uh, for having me, you guys. I appreciate uh, being able to come on and, you know, share some thoughts about
0: the goings on of my club. Great. Start with the questions. I know, you know, uh, we want to get straight into it and ask you a few questions. Um, the first question I would like to ask you is, uh, well, you know, obviously uh, Pochettino was sacked over a week ago. Uh, they've hired a new coach. Uh, from your personal point of view, how do you feel about the sacking of Pochettino? Were you uh, were you caught off guard, or did you did you see this coming? Uh,
2: to be honest, man, I was I was caught
0: way way off guard. Uh, but I think
2: that's just more the, the emotional side of it. Uh, I think when now that we're a week removed from the actual thing, uh, looking at it in a plain, cold, harsh light, it was probably the correct decision. Uh, just because results weren't going his way. And this is, I mean, modern-day football is just a results business. But I think more, more than anything, what most fans that are still heard about this was just the way he was sacked, not necessarily the fact that, you know, he was sacked. Uh, because, again, I think we all uh, can agree that, you know, the results were, were not what we expect. or And uh, the level that he has he has put up there you know uh he potch was a victim of his own kind of uh success which was very unfortunate but i mean most of us uh we remember what life was before him so that's why it was so hard to take because of where he's taken us from and to where we are now but uh like i said uh looking at it now uh i can see that it was probably you know the right thing to do i just think it could have been done differently Or maybe even just wait until uh the summer
1: Umpo, you mentioned that poch was a victim of his own success how would you actually describe his legacy i mean years from now what do you think he would mostly be remembered for as a tottenham first coach
2: i think over and above everything else uh Poch, poch will be remembered for uh bringing tottenham back to to the elite table of european football uh we we've, we've always had these expectations that we can we can challenge or we can you know see ourselves rubbing shoulders with uh, these elite clubs uh, but it it was always just a you know a far fetched dream or something that we would do maybe like one season you know like we we we, were, we qualified for the champions league under harry Radnapp, you know had a great run but it was just one of those things where we we knew we probably wouldn't qualify again for another few seasons uh, under Pochettino that became a standard or a staple you know uh, and that's why I say he's a victim of his own success because uh, maybe four or five years ago uh, if we're in the same position that we're in now he probably wouldn't get the sack but uh, he's taken us from those almost grands to you know c- uh, continuously qualifying for the top four and unfortunately we we didn't get any silver way under him but we're now in a position as a club that we can even attract, uh, you know, his, his success and Jose Mourinho. So uh, that is all Poch is doing and it, it can never be undone.
0: And Paul, um you mentioned earlier that letting Pochettino go was uh, also for business, right? Um, so my question to you here is regarding your chairman, Daniel Livy, how do you feel about how, you know, the way he's running, um um, Tottenham uh because for example you have players like Adverald um Ericsson you know running out of contract and they've not been renewed uh so how do you feel about the business part or aspect of of Tottenham
2: yeah it's again it's one it's one of those uh Daniel Levy is such a polarizing character uh but again uh if you kind of step away from the fan side of of the football and look at you know like what he's doing holistically, uh, he's grown the club. There's no there's no going away from that. There's no way around that. Uh, the stadium, the training complex, uh, and again, uh, the ability to attract top talent, or even more important than that, to to retain you know players like like Harry Kane and and even you know the Christian Eriksens and the Toby Alderweires. Their contracts, yes, they have lapsed. But if you look at what we paid for these players, we've essentially got four or five years out of them for free. You know, I think we play we paid like twelve million for Christian Eriksen, and even though we might not get a sell-on fee from him, it's we, the club won't really be losing money. Uh, we're losing like hypothetical sales, and anything over and above that would have just been a bonus. So, uh, yes, again, w- the way that he treated Pochettino and uh, the sacking was very harsh very businesslike and very cold. But uh, in terms of overall for the club, he's he's probably, you know, actually a very good asset for the club.
1: Yeah, that sounds good. Umpo, you actually mentioned something that I found interesting. You said Pochettino's success is actually one of the reasons you can get a, a good coach in the person of Jose Mourinho. I found that surprising, and I actually want to ask you, what was your initial reaction when you heard that Mourinho was being applying for the job? Was it like, ho mo, or was it you jumped on the mo wagon?
2: Uh, I'm still really not on the on the mo wagon, to be honest with you. Uh, it's a it's a big it's a big change from you know the character that, you know, Pochettino and the values that he espouses to, you know, Jose Mourinho, who is essentially, you know, just like a a football mercenary, you know, he just goes from club to club. And yes, he's been very successful at all these clubs, uh, but he hasn't yet been successful for us. So I don't really have any allegiance to him uh, as of yet. And obviously that might change if he improves our squad, he improves our performances. And he brings us in some silverware, then I will have something to, to be excited about in terms of his, uh, his hiring, but in terms of his stature, there's no denying that you know we've managed to attract uh, one of, if not the greatest manager of you know the last two or three decades, uh, Sir Alex aside. Uh, so it's a big coup on our part, but again. Um, the relationship that most of us fans had with, with Pochettino is deeper than just the transactional one. He's he's brought a sense of pride and uh, love for the club that uh, cannot just be erased
0: by a big name. um, po, um just talking about Mourinho now, um, and specifically last uh, weekend's game against West Ham, uh, it seems like uh, Mourinho has made a few changes, for example, Harry Wings and... Dyer are playing in front of the defenders but I was expecting that Sisoko will be playing at least Sisoko will be playing one of those positions and also Erickson, uh came in as a sub uh, can you maybe talk about what you think Mourinho was, uh, was thinking there or do you think uh, he's preparing for the Champions League or what's going on
2: yeah I think we I think he's also still trying to to figure out because I mean uh, prior to the West Ham game he'd only really had uh, two training sessions with the team. Uh, I can see in future probably uh, Musa Sissoko being a casualty and not getting as much game time as he did under Poch uh, because Poch valued more of uh, Musa's qualities than probably uh, a Jose will in, in terms of his playing structure. You know, Poch wanted to press, wanted people with high energy, uh, whereas Marina doesn't really mind playing without the ball. And so th- there's not really that need for a player that will get up and down as much as Musa did. So I can see I can see him being a, a casualty of this new regime. Uh, but I wasn't too surprised with the with the team that Mourinho picked. Uh, apart from maybe uh, Lucas Moura starting, uh, we haven't seen that in a while at Tottenham. And most times when he has started, uh, Lucas unfortunately he hasn't kicked on uh, in the way that all of our supporters wish he would. Uh, he's been better for us more as an impact player and I think if you watch that game uh, you saw he had a He lost possession a couple of times and even though he scored a goal He also missed a, you know a glaring opportunity that a more clinical player will probably put away So I think he'll get more of an opportunity uh, players like Lucas uh, Eric Dyer, Marina's always been a big fan of Eric Dyer and actually tried to sign him when he was at Man United so uh, I think we'll see a little bit of a tweak but again This is all still essentially uh, Pochettino's team and Pochettino's blueprint. Uh, There will be a little bit of a change of philosophy, but I don't think we'll see very big differences until at least uh, Mourinho's been able to sign one or two players.
1: Yes, sticking to the topic of player and expectations, I want to ask you about now it looks like the players and the team has a new lease of life under a new coach. What do you think? would be like the league table expectations. I know myself, I had said, Spurs were going to finish second at the beginning of the season. Now it's time to be realistic and just you know think through what has happened in the past few months under Poch and with Mourinho. What do you think or where do you think this team can realistically finish?
2: Yeah, so I mean, I think realistically now, uh, we're all just hoping to uh, to challenge for that top four position. Uh, I I mean, and that was another reason why I didn't know whether or not um, it was a good time to let Pochettino go because uh, I don't know uh, how much more Mourinho can get out of these players, but it it remains to be seen. Uh, But I think the best we can hope for at this moment is to try and get in again to that top four. Uh, Going back to our chairman, Daniel Levy, I think he made that decision based on on the things that have happened at the club in the uh, recently you know us moving into that new stadium uh and him looking to that to that new manager to kind of try and uh signal a new chapter in our history you know uh i think we have if not the best and definitely one of the best stadiums you know and training facilities and all that's missing now is that next level and for us to win something so I don't think there'll be that expectation for uh, Mourinho to win anything with us this season, but I think it will definitely be uh, have to get some sort of a trophy next season and get into get into the top four this season, and maybe hopefully have a good cup run. Uh, anything can happen in the Champions League, as we saw last season. You know, um, if we manage to make it scrape it through to the quarterfinals semi-finals I, I would never put it against Jose Mourinho and especially against Outclub and these players who have been here last season uh, maybe going on a run and actually doing something in the Champions League so there's a little bit of excitement there and, and we can only wait and see you know what will happen
0: speaking about the Champions League uh Tottenham is playing Olympiacos tomorrow what's your prediction for that game do you is this going to be a walk in the park
2: uh, no, it wasn't. It wasn't a walk in the park, you know. When we played them uh, in Greece, so I, I'm not expecting any walk in the park. Uh, I'm expecting the players to to you know put in a little bit more of an effort than they have been these last few games. Uh, you could see the energy that they were all playing and trying to impress the new manager at West Ham. Uh, there should be good energy in the stadium because we're playing at home tomorrow. Uh, so honestly, I I'd be very surprised if we didn't get a win. But I don't think we'll be uh, just, you know, walking over them and, you know, getting like a 3 or 4 nil. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping for a comfortable 2 nil if we can. Uh, clean sheet is also important to me. But I'm, I'm confident that we can get a win tomorrow.
0: All right. Thank you so much for joining us and talking about Tottenham. Uh, we wish you the best of luck for the rest of the season.
2: Thanks a lot for having me, guys. And, uh, again, you guys are doing a great job. Uh, I hope I can join you guys again sometime. Hopefully the next time we talk, you know, we'll be back in the top four and making a, a cup run or something, you know, or of celebrating course. a trophy.
0: Yes, and we can uh, we can celebrate together. <laughs> Thanks, guys.
1: That is the EPR review for the week. And now we're going to move to the Bundesliga and talk about Bayern Munich, who has been dominant since... Hans Flick became the coach. This past weekend, they beat Fortuna Düsseldorf 4-0. Do you have any reactions about this recent change in fortune of Bayern Munich?
0: Well, I'm not surprised. Um, I actually watched the game because I was curious to see uh, them play Düsseldorf. Düsseldorf is actually where my wife used to live. So I was just, you know, being a fan of Düsseldorf and hoping that they will beat Bayern Munich. But again... Same thing that will have probably happened to Tottenham. They'll win a few games, uh, the first few games and everything will be happy. You know, they'll, you know, it seems like they're still riding on the momentum of the locker room change, which is, you know, they, they Kovac left. Now they have a new coach. Now, Again, I will still say the same thing I always say. Will this last? And it's yet, to, it's yet to see. I'm not surprised. Like, they should be beating Fortuna Dusseldorf, So I am not surprised they beat them. Um, but I, I would mention that it was good to see Coutinho on the scoreship.
1: Yeah, he's starting to feel comfortable at Bayern Munich. And we will just see how this plays out. We've already seen James try out the same path before. And we know how that ended. So good luck, Coutinho. But let's move on and talk about a team that doesn't need luck. RB Leipzig trash Cologne 3-0 this past weekend. Emil Forsberg and Timo Werner were in the goals. How do you think about this game? Was this business as usual or something extra happening here?
0: I will say this. Um, you're probably laughing at me because, again, you know, I've, I've mentioned in the past few episodes that I don't think that Timo Werner is a good striker, but he keeps shutting me up. And uh, I have no excuse. Maybe I'm going to eat my words later on. It's left to see. But again, a very great team. um, And you can see that there's chemistry in that team. Um, I'm very curious to see how far they're going to go in the Champions League.
1: So far, they've played well. But like you said, you know, it's a long season, a marathon, they call it we'll see how things pan out in the long run but let's talk about the present times for Borussia Dortmund this past weekend they tied Paderborn 3-3 and what's interesting was they came back Liverpool style against AC Milan three goals in the second half to tie Paderborn while playing at home is this a sign of a resurgence or just a sign
0: of a team that can string victories so, Lyman, I don't know if you're seeing a pattern here. They did the same exact thing against Inter Milan. Inter Milan was up 2-0, and then they came back 3-2. Um, they're just some teams that in the first half or in the first few few minutes they just are still figuring things out and they're lost. And then suddenly they go into the locker room and their coach speaks some sense to them, and then they end up, uh, you know, scoring. Three goals or, or basically basically trying to get some points from the game. Um, this is not a good thing, by the way, because when you come up against top teams like Barcelona, which is they're coming up this week, and, and other top teams out there in Europe, uh, then suddenly you have a problem. So I won't say this is a resurgence. I think this is a problem they need to fix. They need to be, have this um mentality that they have usually in the second half, they need to have it from the beginning so that they that when it really matters. For example, if they somehow make it to the Champions League final, or when, you know, or or maybe they maybe it's maybe they're trying to get to the top four and, and basically the last few games they need to actually win and they suddenly they're you know they're losing 3-0 first half and second half they're not able to come back then it may come back to hurt them so this is something i hope they can fix i i'm i remember you know i i i think for my for my prediction in the beginning of the of the season i said dortmund could win it but um obviously that i don't think they're going to win it but it, it's just i'm surprised to see that they're struggling in terms of you know games that they should be winning without any struggle they seem to be struggling they seem to be going down 3-0 2-0 in the first half and then coming back in the second half and this is not a good thing this is a good sign from the team i think eventually it's going to end and the same thing with liverpool i think yes they keep winning now they keep winning 2-1 1-0 but eventually i think that uh that, uh that zeal to always want to win uh in the second half is going to finish
1: well said. Actually, one thing I forgot to mention was that Paderborn is the bottom team in the Bundesliga and tying 3-3 at home to such a team is unacceptable when you are Borussia Dortmund. And I think Lucien Favre has actually joined the list of coaches alongside Oleg Gunnar and Unai Emery, who I feel like they will be next in the line of coaches looking for other opportunities come the summer. But before we round up on the Bundesliga, I want to quickly touch on Gladbach, and I'm only doing this because you were audacious enough to bring up the fact that could Gladbach go all the way and win it? Well, is it hypothetically possible? Yes, Yes. it is. But in the realm of the Bundesliga that we live in, it is now time for a reality check, Bori. Ah. Gladbach has 25 points and are only ahead of Leipzig and Bayern by one point. Do you still think there's any light in the possibility that Gladbach goes on to even challenge for this Bundesliga?
0: Absolutely, yes. I will say this, that they are still there to charge. Yes, they're running through a rough patch right now. And the only reason why I'm saying this is, number one, we have Dortmund being hot and cold. They're not able to figure out their, their tempo. They're not able to win games when they should be winning games. And Bayern again, I still think they're running on the momentum of the change in the locker room. So with those two factors, with those two top teams struggling, well, in my mind, for, for Bayern, struggling, or or maybe their luck will run out, basically, is what I'm thinking, Um, I believe that Gladbach can still make it as the Bundesliga champions. And you know what? Um, They don't have as much responsibility or as much expectation as the other team, uh, as Bayern and Dortmund. And that's another reason why I think they could get there because they could be running on. They've, I think their fans are behind them now because they believe that they can win this thing. And I think they actually will steal the show. But Bayern could also have a chance. And I, I believe Bayern is going to run out of steam and uh, Godback will take the throne from, from there. I will be cashing my check at the end of the season from you, Boris. <laughs> Sure, I I will I will be glad to share the 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 money I get from the winnings of Gladbach. <laughs> let's, let's talk about La Liga. La Liga, um, no, you know nothing much to really see here except Atletico Madrid drew with Granada. Th- these are two teams that we constantly talk about. Granada is still doing you know a good job, you know, tying with a team like Atletico Madrid. However, though, I want to talk about Real Madrid. I don't know if you've been watching them lately, but they are looking like the Real Madrid that we know. And this is not even this is without without uh, Bale, you know, uh, being on his, you know is in his absolute best. And Hazard, although he played very well, but still didn't really contribute very well to the goals that they scored. It was an unlikely source, uh, just given this season's. Um, this season's uh games it was an unlikely source that provided goals and also scored and that's luka modric um and also benzema was on the score sheet as usual now given their recent i think for the past two three weeks they've been really on a fine form they've been really doing very well do you think suddenly madrid is back
1: wales golf madrid in that order is madrid (laughs) back Well, that remains to be seen. I think it's always nice, you know, to get a good run of games together and be winning. And now all the goals are coming from your proven players, your leaders on the team. I was so happy to see Luka Modric get on the scoresheet. So it's, it's definitely a good thing. What I would say, though, is we need people like Gareth Bale. And we need people like, when I say we, I just mean we neutrals. We need people like Gareth Bale, and we need people like Eden Hazard to contribute to this cause for the team, so that they can go farther and actually challenge for La Liga with Barcelona. Because, as we both know, this is Barcelona's trophy to lose.
0: Yes, it is Barcelona's trophy to lose. But actually, let's let me refer back to what you said when you when I when you answered my question. The first line you said was you said Wales, golf, and Madrid in that order. Um for our listeners out there, that was the during the week when Wales played, they won they qualified for the Euros and there was a flag that was shown and, and had that. And it was basically referring to how Bill is prioritizing Wales and golf over Real Madrid, which was a joke. And that led to booze uh in the pre you know before in, in the players warm-up um of of Bale. Now my question to you here is it seems like Gareth Bale is going to leave, but given that the fact that like they will be challenging for for La Liga, do you think this is a wise decision? And I know I know it seems and it looks like Remiges is doing very well even without Bale, but you can't doubt that Bale brings in experience. You know, apart from Bale, the the replacement for Bale you have there is Vinicius Jr., or you have Jovic, or you have Valverde in the front line. Um, but Bale is Bale. Bale brings something different. Bale brings experience. Do you think this is something that... Madrid is going to make a mistake of if they let Bill go for example in January uh and, and you remember when it comes to big games in Champions League you know the knockout stage is, is coming up soon uh, and then you you know you're going head to head with Barcelona do you think this is a good idea for them to let Bill go
1: You actually read my mind in the last part of what you said saying that Bill is a big game player and I couldn't agree with you more So the question now is, Bale has won three to four Champions League trophies with Real Madrid, three of them with Zinedine Zidane. So can he afford to actually let him go knowing that he has gotten the best out of this player? I know in the summer I said Bale has been a very, very important player to the Real Madrid project. But at this time, if the goal of Real Madrid is actually to win La Liga, I think Bale is expendable. Because I feel like he's an important player. He shows up in big games. But you know the nature of the La Liga. It's the small games that actually matter. And then the Classical also, of course, plays a big role. But with the way things are right now, I don't think it would be a completely bad decision if they decide to let Bell go. Keeping in mind that the Champions
0: League is not the highest priority. That is very correct. But let's talk about Barcelona because Barcelona has been struggling lately. Although they won 2-1 against Leganes and although they were away, you still expect them to beat a team like Leganes. And I actually noticed something. I noticed that their back line is struggling. So, for example, Longley is out. Um, Semedo is out. He's injured. Jody Alba is out. So it seems like they've lost three of their starting defenders to injuries. And, and maybe this explains why they're conceding goals. Now, my question to you is, do you think this is a problem for Barcelona and do you think this is a threat to their title winning of La Liga?
1: Well, defense always wins games. That's Your coach tells you that time and time again. Defense wins games. So if they're struggling there, it would need to be fixed. But I also feel like a lot of this could come down to the coach and how the team has been set up. I've heard a lot of people just say, the coach has no idea what he's doing so is it really the fact that the defense is bad or the coach doesn't hasn't figured out a good way to play from the back but ultimately in a season where madrid are now charging for la liga and barcelona is struggling i think their defense could actually be a difference maker in whether they win the la liga come may
0: great well we'll see what happens However, AC Milan played Napoli this past weekend. The game ended in a one-all draw. The only highlight in this game that I wanted to point out is Bonaventura is back. He, score, he scored a screamer. And Bonaventura has had, I think he was off for a year uh, due to some kind of injury. Um, but it's good to see him back. Milan-Napoli, do you have any reaction on that game? Good performance
1: by Milan, 1-1. I mean, at this point, we've come to the heights where, and when I say we've come to the heights, you could look at it as either us ascending or descending, but where a 1-1 tie against Napoli is celebrated. But yeah, good point by Milan, and hopefully we can improve on this performance.
0: Speaking of performance, seems like Juve has is keeps performing because they keep winning games without Ronaldo. And this weekend, this past weekend was not an exception. Um, they played Atalanta, which was a very big game. I mean, at least in Syria this weekend, because Atlanta is also a very top team in the Syria. So Ronaldo didn't play. And I remember telling you this and saying on podcast that I think Juve is a better team without Ronaldo just because of the way Sari plays. And of course, the usual suspects were on the score sheet, Higuain, Dybala. Um, do you think this is actually a problem of Juve? Do you think do you think leaving Ronaldo off the squad is actually better for them, or am I going to eat my words?
1: Well, at this point, it looks like it's working out for them. They are winning big games after big game, with Ronaldo not being out on the field playing. So it looks good. My concern, and I do not like to speculate, is what exactly is going on because Ronaldo played for Portugal in the recent international game. So what exactly is going on? And I would like to know if this is just like a a time or game management strategy or if this is just, you know, fit into the way we're playing right now and something has to change. I would like to understand what is going through the coach's mind and also what is going on in Ronaldo's camp at this present time.
0: Side note, do you uh, just a side question for you? Actually, do you think Ronaldo is going to find a new challenge in France?
1: <laughs> well, there's only one new challenge in France, if <laughs> I if I can interpret that correctly. And I mean, it's there's a big enough space for two big superstars. So you know what I'm saying. So I wouldn't put it past a player like Ronaldo because he likes to be the center of attention. But that's going to be tough when you go to friends and play with a player whom I wouldn't name, but who
0: is also just a prima donna when it comes to seeking attention. Of course. And uh, Roma played Brescia this weekend. I just want to point out um, Manchester United loaned the player out this past summer and that player is Smalling, and Smalling was on the score sheet once and assisted the two remaining goals that Roma scored this weekend. So it was a 3-0, and he also kept a clean sheet. Do you think, there's really nothing to say here, but other than why is why is Smalling doing very well in the Serie A? It's certainly not, it's a more tactical, tactical league, uh, league. And maybe, I. I I've, so the reason I'm saying this is I've noticed a trend. Players that leave United seem to be doing better. We have Lukaku doing better, who, by the way, scored again this past weekend. Um, so do you think United was just cursed? Cursed. I mean, they were cursed to have
1: Phil Jones on the field and been left for dead by Lis least this past <laughs> weekend. So are they cursed or are they just bad decision makers when you have someone like Smalling, Performing at Roma. I mean, granted, he's not the best defender out there, but I mean, could you really not do better than Jones yesterday? So of yeah,
0: that's that's where my thoughts are. All right, let's move on to the UCL. As we know, the UCL is coming up tomorrow and Wednesday. And we just want to point out four big games this this week. Um, Liverpool is playing Napoli, PSG, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Dortmund, and Juve Atletico Madrid. Now, I'm going to start with you, uh, uh, Sulaiman. What is your prediction for the Liverpool versus Napoli game? Money on Napoli, just because,
1: you know, they did it
0: once. Why not do it twice? Wow. Very interesting. Um, My prediction is that Liverpool is actually going to win. And the reason why is because Napoli, they look like a very, uh, how will I put it? Uh, They're not a stable team at the moment. So that I think is going to derail them, and I don't know if that they have any motivation to win tomorrow. So I give the edge over to Liverpool, and they're playing at Anfield. So it probably Liverpool will win, but who knows? You may be right. We'll, we'll we'll see on the next episode. Now let's move on to PSG Real Madrid. Keeping in mind that Real Madrid now is playing like a very good team, and also PSG is actually not bad. I mean, they're very good now too. So so what so that. This game has suddenly become a very big game tomorrow. Uh, what is your prediction for this game? I haven't seen much of
1: PSG in recent times, but I know that Real Madrid is doing well. So, by that
0: analysis, I give this tie to Real Madrid. I also give the same. I also give the same results. I think Real Madrid is going to go away. Go away with it, and uh, it's also a revenge for the loss. The from from the previous from the first fixture. Um talking about Barcelona, Barcelona and Dortmund are playing again this week. Um Dortmund has been struggling, Barcelona's been struggling, so it's kind of hard to see who's gonna win, although Barcelona is home, so and they usually win when they're home. But what do you think will happen in this game?
1: This is one fixture.
0: That I know we will not agree on. And
1: I'm very sure you already know that. Well, I am going to say, given the fact that it's Barcelona, and any day when Barcelona loses is a really good day. So, with that
0: being said, I give this to Borussia Dortmund. All right. Interesting. You took me on the roller coaster there. But let's lastly, we want to talk about Juve and Atletico Madrid. Juve suddenly seemed to be fine, but we know that Ronaldo is very good against. Atletico Madrid. He loves to score against Atletico Madrid, and uh, Madrid, Atletico Madrid is not doing. They've not been doing well so far. Um, So, what is your prediction for this game? For this
1: game, the question actually is, will Ronaldo play? Because if he doesn't play, I think Atletico has this in the bag. But if Ronaldo does play, you know what it is when Ronaldo plays Atletico Madrid. So, I will say Juve wins if Ronaldo
0: plays. All right. Well, I think that's all we have for the UCL prediction. Yes, Bori, you talk about a brand new
1: segment on the show, and you've you've been just talking about this all week long, and I do want to hear what do you have for us in this new segment? What is
0: it called, and what do you want to let myself and the listeners know? Well, we are calling this segment the random fact of the episode. And I want to preface this Sorry, our listeners can... Could lower the expectations for this, for this, uh, for this segment. This segment is just to show you, or uh, just to say some random fact about soccer, and it may not be interesting, or it may be interesting, but it may be good to know. Also, now, did you know, Sulaiman, that Gerard Pique's one of his last name, because obviously, in in Spanish culture, um, you also take your mother's maiden name as as a last name. Did you know that one of his last names is Bernabéu, which kind of is funny because he plays for Barcelona and the Santiago Bernabéu is the name of the Real Madrid um, stadium. Did you know that?
1: Wow. I wouldn't ever have thought of that, given how crazy and how irrational Gerard Piqué acts when anything related to Real Madrid comes up. I wonder how it feels when he goes to
0: the Santiago Bernabéu, Does he have yeah. any connection? I have no idea, but there's actually also a second part to this um, random fact of the day for Gerard Piquet. And you may be ask, asking, why did I pick Gerard Piquet? Well, that was the name that first popped in my head when I was thinking about this episode, uh, this segment, and I basically did some research. But did you also know that when Gerard Piquet was a little baby or a, a little kid, he was in a coma for two days and luckily, he woke up, and now he plays for Barcelona. That is very, very
1: impressive. I I think Kaka has a similar story, but I never thought Gerard Pique had been through something like that. I'm glad he came out of it, and he's a
0: wonderful soccer player. Awesome. Well, listeners, I think that's all we have today. I want to thank Impo for coming in and talking about Spurs um, and also... Uh, we are glad and excited to see what's going to happen in the Champions League because, again, a lot of teams will just, this week will realize or see if they will be qualifying for the knockout stage. Suleiman, can you tell our listeners where to find us? Fourth Official Soccer Podcast, you know where to find
1: us. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. If you do email, just send us an email at fourthofficialsoccerpodcast at gmail.com, and on Twitter, we are at SP. And we'll see you again next week.
0: All right, thank you, and bye bye.